0: Welcome to the ABC's of ADD podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Sidon. At this time, as we're beginning the, um, the podcast about ADD, I'm reading from a book that I wrote about ADD uh, called uh, Born Losers or Leas- Leaders, A Positive Spiritual Perspective on ADD. In the last podcast, I highlighted the dedication, read the dedication of the book, in this podcast, you'll hear the first chapter of the audiobook, which is entitled, My Opinion, Take It or Leave It. Chapter
1: 1, My Opinion, Take It or Leave It I was born ADD. To many, ADD or ADHD is a very negative label. I understand. Two of the descriptive words in the clinical label are deficit and disorder. With the H, it's three negative terms. I don't blame anyone for wanting to lose the label. I've learned that labels, like paradigms, can affect how I see or think about myself. In psychology books, they call it self-fulfilling prophecy. Hans Christian Andersen wrote about it in his Ugly Duckling story for children. Of course, the Ugly Duckling was not a duck, nor was he ugly. Still, the label made his life miserable until he left the barnyard. Norman Vincent Peale, the author of the classic The Power of Positive Thinking, wrote about it too. But he had a more positive perspective. He knew the spiritual truth behind labels or self-fulfilling prophecy. And he quoted a more divine textbook. His favorite passage from that book was, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Redefinition People who face a physical disability are taught to redefine themselves in a positive way. Imagine those who have had a spinal cord injury or lose use of their legs. They have a choice. They can define themselves in the light of their disability and loss, or they can redefine themselves in light of their assets, abilities, and alternative realities. With a new and positive redefinition, they can move on to restructure their environment to fit their life changes. And with a hopeful attitude, they are able to renegotiate their relationships in healthy, fulfilling ways. Today I know that the disability and the label is in my head. It is my choice. The degree to which it negatively affects my life is a decision that I make. On the other hand, it is very different if I tell a child that he or she is disordered and deficit. My conscience compels me to help that child discover his or her difference. Every day of my life I counsel and help people who believed the negative labels. They accepted at face value the words of teachers, experts, and parents. Like me, they had their noses rubbed in every indiscretion and mistake at home, school, and work. Did it help them to have their deficits and disorders tattooed upon their spirits? Ask them yourself when they sober up, get out of rehab or jail, or return from the abyss of depression. Thomas Edison, dull-witted. In the third grade, Thomas Edison was told that he was dull-witted, unable to learn. His mother was concerned because he still couldn't read. She went to the schoolmaster and asked why. He explained that Thomas was a dull-witted idiot. He offered to let him remain in class as a favor to the family. But the teacher assured Mrs. Edison that Thomas would not learn anything. Thomas Edison's mom grabbed her son and went home. She explained to Thomas that he would be homeschooled. Then she sat beside him, lifted his chin, looked into his eyes, and said, "'Thomas, there is only one rule in my school. You do not have to learn anything that you do not want to learn.' Then Mrs. Edison went into her bedroom and looked at herself in the mirror on her vanity. With a sober and level stare, she said to herself, "'And here's your homework, Mom. Make him love the rest.' Then Mrs. Edison began to read to Thomas the great short stories of American and English literature. He crawled into her lap to see the words on the pages, and within a few short months he was reading beyond the level of his former classmates. Soon he began to devour science and math books. He built a laboratory in the basement. He spent so many hours down there that his father grew concerned about his health. The boy only comes out to collect bottles. He sells them to buy more wire and chemicals, Mr. Edison said. I'm afraid the boy will get the rickets. Today in Thomas Edison's hometown, there is no great monument to him in the city square, but there is a statue of his mother with an open book in her hand and the little Thomas at her feet. Mrs. Edison's little boy is still the most prolific patent holder in American history. Not bad for a dull-witted idiot. My words. I've written several books on ADD. They were all for other people, docs or other professionals. I was paid to research the disorder. I got to travel all across the country. I met, heard, and learned from the nation's leading experts on ADD. During my research and reading, I realized that my son and I were ADD. In fact, my whole genetic family had the characteristics and traits We had all the creative abilities and gifts, as well as the addictive behaviors and alcoholic tendencies. I really came to understand ADD in depth. Still, in the books that I wrote for others, I had to say what they wanted. My opinion didn't matter. They wanted to use my gift, not hear my guff. But this book is very different. The words in this book are mine. I've quoted a few folks with good ideas. I needed a little help to fill in a few blanks and connect a few dots. Still, the bottom line in all of this is my opinion. I'm not a doctor of medicine or anything else. I know how to get the title and degree, if I want. I know a guy who can print up the necessary documents in a few days, but I'm not interested. I've worked for lots of doctors and experts. I ghostwrite their books and the occasional dissertation. They want, need the additional label of published author. I don't need or desire titles. I can't stomach the self-promotion that's required. Experts spend most of their time proving themselves to other experts. They worry about what others think. They keep an eye on their critics. Everything they do and every thought they have has to be researched and related to what somebody else did or thought. Experts have to establish that somebody else also had their ideas. Then they quote, footnote, and commit to wrote what the other guy said. It's their insurance. They have someone else to blame if they're wrong. I know that game. That's why I'll mention Plato. But don't blame Plato. If you think I'm wrong, blame me. I don't care. Plato is not my insurance. He's my hero. One of many. The writer part of me loves Plato. I met him up in the light. He was inductive. He encouraged people to think for themselves. He taught folks to put the pieces of the puzzle together to form their own ideas. He told stories and wrote dialogue. He didn't tell tales that illustrated truth. He shared stories that shed light and inspired truth. His audience either listened or laughed. They sensed substance or saw only shadows. The writer in me also loves old Mark Twain and all the American realists. Twain didn't footnote. He had satire. He didn't prove his truth. His truth spoke for itself. His short story, The War Prayer, is my favorite example. He held up a mirror to America and let the nation see itself. Through humor and wit, he showed the insanity of unbridled patriotic zeal and religious fervor. But there amid his humor was the horror of the Spanish-American War. Plato, Twain, and other realists like me are called rebels. Some say we're rebels without a cause. They say that because they don't understand the cause. They don't understand our journey. They don't understand us. Beavers in a World of Squirrels It's like the difference between beavers and squirrels. Imagine the confusion in a community of squirrels at the appearance of a beaver. The beaver's actions would bewilder the bushy-tailed tree-dwellers. Squirrel life is about a good tree, a sturdy nest, an abundance of acorns, a hollow for nuts, and the strength to defend it all. But the beaver would chomp down small trees, build a dam, form a pond, and add a lodge or two. The squirrels would call the beaver a fool or a fanatic. They would not have a clue about the beaver's big picture, and they would not appreciate his contribution to the larger community of creatures. Ninety percent of this world is more linear and left brain than I am. This vast majority of humanity could connect twidgets on an assembly line all day long, every day, and all year for 40 years till retirement. The same 90% shake their heads in disbelief every time some Columbine event occurs. They're stunned into stupor. Why? It's simple. They don't get it. They don't ask questions. They are content to see just the shadows before them. They accept the explanations they are given, and they label the different and curious ones as disordered. They call them mavericks, misfits, the misunderstood mutants. But this book is not for the 90%. I can't make anyone listen, understand, or care. I can only tell my story and tell the stories of others like me. I just want to share what I've discovered. I want to tell a few folks the truth I've found. I want the misfits like me to understand that we are not rebels without a cause. Instead, I believe that we are rulers without a clue. I want to share some important clues that I've discovered. I know that we... This strange slice of humanity were created to be the leaders, not the losers. Plato called us the guardians, but we are guardians in exile. My story may be yours too. So I don't need to be a recognized expert to write what I've written. My life, my family, my friends, and my days on this earth have qualified me. And no expert can disagree with what I write. Why? Why? This book is not an argument to prove a point. This is not a treatise to support a thesis. This is more of a journal that describes a journey, my journey. This is a story about me and my thoughts and others who are like me. I know that certain people see themselves in my story. I know that some people have caught my point of view. That's okay. They made their own decisions. They drew the conclusions. They connected the dots. They took some of my dots and added a few of their own and drew a picture for themselves. Warning. The easily offended should not read this book. Those who believe that experts have all the answers should put this book down now. Those who believe that pills hold all the solutions drop the book and walk away. Those who follow procedure and obey all the rules obey this, cease and desist. Those who believe that ADD plus H or LMNOP is a disorder and disability from the start, please give this book to a maverick, misfit, or someone with a mohawk. Those who think that ADDers just don't care, please return to your tree. Those who believe that ADDers need to try harder and apply themselves, please try to get a refund for this book. Those who feel that ADD is from bad parenting, please return to your pulpit or pew. We won't bother you there. Those who see ADD as a moral defect, please return to your glass house. We have a surprise for you. Note. All the quotes from the Republic of Plato are from the Oxford University Press Edition, translated with introduction and notes by Francis MacDonald Cornfort, Doctor of Literature. This is the book and translation that I recommend.
0: That's all for today. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, always welcome your comments. And you can email me at jerryseiden at gmail.com. That's J-E-R-R-Y-S-E-I-D-E-N. Whatever comments you leave or email me, I'll uh, be sure to read. And also, if you want to do an audio clip of yourself speaking, I'll be happy to upload that to future podcasts. Or... Uh, You can text me on my cell phone, 714-308-2494. I'm not real great with um, talking on the phone, but I love to text, and uh, that works best for me. God bless.